Tom Panos, John McGrath, Troy Malcolm, Eve of Grand Final. How are you, gentlemen? Grand Finals. Grand Finals. Yes, yeah. this weekend. I'm not very happy. I actually think they should be a week apart. <laughs> it kind of, you know, it's nice to spread the good news and the love over a fortnight, isn't it? Yeah, so we've got Saturday night, Sydney, Saturday afternoon, Sydney Swans, Western Bulldogs, and then Sunday night, Sharks versus Melbourne Storm. So we've got two Sydney teams and Prediction. two Melbourne Prediction. teams. Uh, I believe Melbourne Storm will win, and I believe Sydney Swans will win. Uh, yeah, I'm back in the same as you, Tom. I just think the experience and knowledge of the Storm leading to a game like this is second to none. And diehard Swannies fan, I'd, lo- I'd love to see them win. If I could play another sport, it'd definitely be AFL, so Swannies for me. I think uh, there's part of me that thinks that the Sharks, because of the crowd... You know, they're going to have a stadium full of fans, you know. I don't think they've ever won a grand final, have they? Certainly in the new league. Well, something about Troy's 50 years before they were in a grand final, or they've never won a grand final. We're not, we're, we're not sure. They've either haven't won one, or it's been 50 years. There's, there's going to be a lot of enthusiasm, you know, for that, trying to have them break through. But uh, you're right, you know, Melbourne Storm, they're a class act. And Sydney Swans, well, they've been there before plenty of times, and I think uh, they've probably got a bit of momentum as well. But, you know... Could be either way, couldn't it? But it, isn't it amazing, like I'm just thinking as we're talking, only 12 months ago, Sharks were not a side that you'd be sitting there thinking they would be playing in a grand final. They had a lot of turmoil at that club. Um, they didn't have a lot going for them, yet they are... Oh, going broke. Going broke. Financially in trouble. Yeah. They'd had the uh, drug scandal. Asada. Asada. Um, they were going terribly in the competition, so they had cultural issues. They had a few players that have now since been thrown out that were kind of disgraceful role models. In fact, if anything, they had more problems than any other team, probably in both competitions, yeah. really. Well, Essendon's had the same problems, hasn't it? But certainly in the NRL. Uh, and yet, you're right, incredible how quickly. So it's kind of good for our listeners to have that. I'm glad you brought that up because it just shows how much you can change when you get the right coach and you make a couple of changes around the edge for your team or your sales team, depending who it is, um, how you can just all of a sudden create this magical momentum, and they've done it, I think predominantly off the back of raw energy, passion, and just commitment to to get the job done. And there's a great line in that movie, John, that you um, alluded to about two months ago, I'm Not Your Guru by Anthony Robbins, Mm. where Anthony Robbins says to someone who's coaching, people underestimate the change they can have in a year and overestimate the change they can have in 30 days. Mm. It's this mm. ability mm. to be able to look at a, a bigger picture and a lot happens in a year. And a year's short, right? Correct. Kind of when you context it against or contrast it against 30 days, sounds a bit longer, but a year can go like that as well. So, uh, yeah, no, it's really, really, really exciting. And, of course, GWS, who were bundled out just on the weekend, The same could be said a bit by them, not that they had problems, but they're really very new to a competition which is over a century old and clubs that have got enormous following, great experience in their blood veins. And GWS has kind of systematically knocked them all off except a couple during the year. So it's exciting. It's interesting, you know, but when you look at our listeners, when I get emails and text messages coming in, I would have to say it's a bigger AFL following than NRL, our listeners, because we look at our Adelaide listeners... 
and uh, to uh, Nathan Casales, thanks for coming to Sydney. Thanks for spending your money in New South Wales. <laughs> and, and, and thanks for sending the message telling us how much they're going to spank our backsides. Nathan, honestly, I didn't have anything to do with this. Nathan, 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 Nathan. He should have known, seriously. Like, if you're going to get like that, you send a cheeky message after that one, not, be, not before. Smart. That's it. Send, send it. After the property has sold that auction for top dollar, that's when you tell people. Yeah. Okay, so guys, let's move on to uh, this uh, week's uh, question or topic. In fact, it's being streamed on our Mevo camera. Some of you will see it, um, and we're going to put it on social media. It's not being streamed live. We want to make sure that when we have our first live stream, we are going to announce it. We're going to let people sitting all over Australia New Zealand seeing what we look like in person, unedited. And Troy Malcolm, the day that happens, I'm telling you, I'm going to look better than today. <laughs> <laughs> okay, multiple offers. Now, John, you believe that this is a subject that needs to be talked about. It's not handled well by agents. And at the moment, we've got a marketplace that is getting lots of multiple offers on properties. Yeah, so to define, I guess, what we're talking about is often, be it either private treaty or, uh, or auction, Troy, sometimes you end up with three or four people put their hand up before an auction or during a private treaty at the same time and often about the same price and they all want to buy it. I think this is one of the worst handled scenarios in real estate history. I get more complaints about this and as an agent, often even a fairly good agent, if you don't handle it precisely, you end up annoying, I was going to say something else, but you know, really pissing off people, including the buyer. Yeah. So the person that, if anyone should be a raving fan, it should be the buyer, they're often annoyed. The underbidders or the, the people that miss out, they're often annoyed, furious. And as an agent, you get a commission, but you actually burn three or four relationships, which is terrible. Yeah. Um, so I think it's really, really important. So is, 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 is there a right way? Is there a one way that we say, this is the process of handling multiple offers? Look, I think it's always tricky, I'll say that, that I think it is difficult, and even if well handled, there is still a risk of potentially someone being somewhat disgruntled. So the first thing I'd say is if you're during an auction program, Tom, and you're three quarters of the way through, let's say the auction's tomorrow week, and you've got three or four bidders and they're all saying, well, I'd like to buy it before, I think that would be a scenario, Troy, where in all likelihood run it to auction. You're a week out, unless you've got a standout bid that's, you know, 20% 20% above all the other interest, I think you're best to let them everyone fight for it in the auction environment, which is, yeah. which is really what it's all about. Um, so that'd be the first thing. Second thing is I do think there is a process which, which really we should talk about today to reduce, maybe eliminate complaints because my belief is that you can walk away from those scenarios with everyone being a raving fan rather than everyone being a disgruntled, including the buyer, customer. So, you know, maybe let's start with talking through that. So we'll set the scene. Let's call this an auction just for the minute. Auction halfway through a campaign. You've had very strong interest. The vendor is very happy to sell before. They don't necessarily have to go to auction. And we've got three buyers have all kind of rung you up on the same day or on your Monday callbacks and say, well, look, Tom, to be honest, I really want to buy this before. I hate auctions. And I've got looking at something else. Whatever their environment, they want to buy it before. You communicate to the vendor and said, look, I'm happy to go, so I'll leave it to you, Tom. Just get me the best price. This is not an uncommon. And we could use, we could take the word auction out, Troy, and use private treating, yeah. especially in today's market, in, in, in a lot of the places as, that we're all familiar with. You're getting people, multiple bidders at, at asking price. 
It's on the market, six ninety nine. Three buyers come through. They all ring you back Saturday night and say, "Yep, I'll take it." And then, how do you handle that? So, my view is it starts with a few things. First one is first principle for me when I'm in these situations. Tom is communicate, communicate, communicate with everyone. And primary is your customer. You must get instructions from your vendor and let them know exactly what are the options, and give them recommendations. So. First thing is I would take the vendor through the scenario. So Troy, the first thing is we could just keep going to auction. There's no problem with that. We do run the risk we might lose one of the buyers, we might lose two of the buyers, but in my view is the risk is worth taking because we could end up getting a better outcome and it's hard. So I think you know keep the vendor um, really close to the process, Tom, here and have discussions with the vendor around what to do. Assuming the vendor says, well look, to be honest, I never wanted to go to auction, they stress me out, Let's go forward. So, what do you what do you do next? Um, my view is you then have to convert it to a fairly short term, I guess, in a way, what you might call a tender. You need to say, Tom, Troy. Uh, the good news is a vendor has agreed to sell before auction. Uh, I guess the not so good news is there's three people like yourself that want to buy the property, and they're all seem to be making the same noise around price. Uh, we were quoting mid to high sixes. Everyone seems very comfortable in that range. I suspect maybe even a little bit more. So what I'm going to, what I've, my instruction from the vendor is to get the best offer and sell the property to the highest bidder, assuming that that's acceptable to them. So here's the process that we're prepared to undertake now. So I think the fir- first thing is let everyone know and yeah. say exactly the same thing to every buyer. No one gets a, an inside running on this. Doesn't matter who they are, what they've got to sell. Um, you know, at the end of the day, there should be everyone should be treated exactly the same. So then what I normally set up, I, I find then usually 24 hours is, is a reasonable time. Assuming there's a contract available, which of course there will be, it's on the market. Hopefully there's a building pest and even strata report if need yeah. be, so people can make decisions quickly. Um, so I might say, well, it's midday Monday. By close of business Tuesday, so give them a day and a half, we are seeking written expressions of interest or signed contracts with deposits and in certainly New South Wales, I'm not sure of the law right around Australia and New Zealand, but we're looking to waive the no cooling off period, so we have a, a definite unconditional sale. Um, so really what you're doing then is you, you, you're bringing forward the auction date from a week and a half mm-hmm. away to a day and a half away, and you're converting it from an auction to, I guess, a, a tender, if you will. Um, I think, again, if you do that, what you do, you do, you get people competing with each other, which you wanted at the auction. Um, and you get people really thinking about what's the highest amount that I can possibly put forward because I know there's two other bids coming in at the same time. A couple of things. One is maybe you shouldn't have to say this now, but it's all got to be done with integrity. Don't yeah. invent buyers. Yep. If you have two bidders, say there's two, don't say there's four. Everything has got to be done with integrity. So assuming they're following that, um, I would then make sure that everyone has all the tools they need. Have you got a contract? Do you need to get a builder through it? Do you need to have another inspection on the property? Just make sure everyone has exactly what they need. Um, And then I think if you go through that process and you deal with integrity and you deal with total fairness to all parties, well, the other things I always do is I ask them to bring the contracts in and I would say bring them into the vendor solicitor and I'll meet the vendor there tomorrow at five o'clock. So I like to have it as a neutral if possible. Um, Not always possible, but I would like to do that because it just takes the competition away from your office and it takes it to a professional environment. If anything goes wrong, by the way, you've then got the vendor solicitor there to deal with mm-hmm. any potential issues. 
So just small tip is I would say, you know, we're looking for contracts to be delivered by five o'clock or earlier, but no later than five o'clock in a sealed envelope. We recommend no alterations to the contract because every time you make an alteration, you're going to put yourself at a disadvantage. So we would highly recommend that. Any questions, ring me 24-7. And then, you know, I find that if you do that, people then feel, okay, well, I've been dealt fairly. I've been dealt with total transparency. I'm not at a disadvantage. Um, and people normally respond very well then. And then if they try and say to you, well, how much do you think? It's exactly the same thing to everyone. We're quoting mid to high sixes. The people seem very comfortable with that. I won't be surprised if it's a bit above that. How much above, I really don't know because I've said exactly the same to all three parties. You know, again, you can't get engaged in a one-off conversation that's going to give anyone an inside advantage. But you do need to push all three to the highest limit that you think they'll go to. So I think if you do that, you set yourself up for a good outcome. And then I make it very clear to people that when I ring after the tender, unless there's anything untoward that's happened or anything quite unusual, the next call I make to you will be to tell you whether you own the home or not. I'm not going to ring to negotiate to see if you've got a better offer. Will you pay another 5000 So really, when you sit down, when you put the final figure on the contract, make sure it's a figure that if I ring you back and I say, look, it did go for a few thousand more, you won't be disappointed. That's how, Tom, I get the most amounts, like at an auction, you know, the emergency of an auction. You know, people need to know that we want your best bid, not your second or third best. So, it, so um, John, when you make the call back to people to let them know whether they've got it or not, have you exchanged the contracts at, at that stage? Yeah, yep. I would exchange. Um, yep. Reason being, uh, because A, you've said you would. Yeah. B, is if then someone does say, well, look, we had to think about it, and we do want to offer another five, then you've got to go back to the other parties, yeah. and then all of a sudden. So I think, you know, really, that's the beauty of saying, I won't be calling back to see if you'll negotiate further. I'll be calling back to tell you you own the home or you miss the home. Do you arrange an appointment with the vendor at the vendor solicitor post five o'clock? Or? I, I, look, I'd be, at that point, Troy, I'd be so close, I'm probably seeing the vendor once or twice in that last 24 hours. I'm certainly on the phone with them several times. Yep. And then I would be asking them. So they would typically be in a meeting room mm-hmm. somewhere out of sight in the because uh, you don't want to keep them out of all the chaos that could could be there. Uh, I've had it where I've had three buyers sitting there and they won't give me the contract until five o'clock because they don't they don't trust anyone that yeah. that, that the, the bid could be let out. And then they hand it over and sometimes they sit there and they wait. Other yeah. times they go home. I say, look, we're going to meet with it. We'll ring everyone in the next you know hour, but we want to be able to take our time to do this. And I can say that I think 90% of the time that's actually worked cleanly. But the key thing was communication. Um, Because when when it goes wrong, it's generally because someone says, well, look, put in a really good bid and see how we go and then we'll call you afterwards and we'll let you know the outcome. You've got to be very precise. And I think you've almost got to say, so just to be very, for clarity, here's what's going to happen. Just so you know, when I ring you, I'm not going to be ringing you to get an extra bid. I'm going to be ringing you to say yes or no. Um, and, And if that... What would be an unusual circumstance if both parties ended up the best bid was identical between the both parties? That would be the only unusual circumstance, in which case I'd bring them both and I'd figure it out from there. Um, John, what would you do if you had an agent that's asked, if you were going to do that, why wouldn't you bring, if that was an auction scenario, why not bring the auction forward to five o'clock that afternoon and bring all three parties in? So. It, it is an option, and, and true, I think we've certainly done that on a number of occasions. It's not something we encourage. I, I generally find, um, 
if, if you go to auction, go to auction. If it yeah. converts to a negotiation, convert to a negotiation. That's a little bit half in between. I will say that we had some good results doing it that way, but it's not something we encourage. It kind of feels like it's a little bit rushed. I think if, you, if you're going to convert it to a negotiation, you should convert it to a full negotiation. But you know, certainly some people do it like that. Um, and in most cases as well, if it's kind of a lot of contract holders and a lot of interest, potentially first home buyers, um, I'm thinking of one that recently happened at Liverpool Street kind of six months ago for us as a business. We actually bought that auction for it because of the interest was so high and there was such a high demand to manage all the expectations yeah. of those parties that it were contract holders and get them to put their best and final forward. It didn't make sense, so we did bring the auction forward on a Thursday night two weeks before, but that would be a, it's a quite unique situation. Yeah. Majority of the time it would be two to three, yeah. maybe four contract holders that have expressed interest and in wanting to purchase before. I think the key reason, Troy, to go before, either bring the auction forward or negotiate, is if you truly think you've got a buyer head and shoulders above the rest yep. that won't hold to, and they won't hold until the auction. Because if you've got you know two buyers two weeks out from the auction, it's been a hard property to sell and you know it's a bit problematic, and you have a nervous as hell vendor that just wants to get the deal done, you know, you've got a pretty good environment there to try and put it to bed and maximise yeah. price and put all doubt out. The perfect auction environment is, you know, if you do have that situation, you've got multiple interest and you feel you can keep them going, mm. well then often running to auction is a good good piece of advice. But it's always I find a lot of vendors still, even in a strong market, they still feel nervous at auction. Not necessarily nervous of getting a price, they just don't like the process. They find it quite stressful, which I can understand. So many of them are saying, look, I told you at 550 I'm delighted. Anything more than 550 is a bonus. You say you've got two people that want to put in an offer of 575, I'm happy, just go for it. You, you get me the best price, but you know what I'll take. So I think you know at the end of the day, you've got to be careful you don't make too many calls to the vendor. I always try and provide recommendations, but it's their property. And if you're going to make a recommendation that's going to provide any risk to them, be careful. Because if you, if you are to lose both buyers in that example, you know, you can have a very disgruntled, unhappy vendor. Well, I think, uh, John, you've been very clear in outlining a, a process there. Um, make sure you're communicating with your vendor and that they're clear on what you're doing. Uh, be transparent, no heads up on any of the buyers. Yeah. Pick a neutral ground mm -hmm. um, to get it done and um, don't allow for get out clauses and say to people, oh, well, look, you know, you're saying once the referee's decision is made, it is final, it's not changing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. And, and that comes down to transparency and integrity and clarity. So many times I hear agents and I hear conversations even in our business and we try and teach this a lot. And they say something that's just poorly worded. It's a bit loose or a bit sloppy. And you just, you know, pull them up afterwards and say, you need to bring that person back and get the wording exactly right for that. Because if I heard that, I would have thought something from a discussion I've just had with you, you're thinking something else. So communication is really key. Okay. Look, it's that time of the year that the ARIC event of 2017 is in planning stages, not planning in terms of the venue or the dates. I mean, they're clear. It's the 28th and the 29th of May. No, I think it's the 17th, isn't it? You could be right. I, um, I'm going to confirm that. <laughs> <laughs> live recording. I've got this live, Ian. I've got it in... Uh, look, I put, I, put, I put that event... I no, put, you're probably right. Uh, I, I heard the girls say 17 earlier, but maybe they're talking about 2017. 2017. They said eight. for 17. No, we, it's the 28th and the 29th. There you go. Of May. You heard it here first from Tom Panner. On 20, the Gold Coast. 
So um, Sunday, Monday, Sunday, Sunday 28th, Monday. Monday 29th. And actually, it's funny that we talk about that because I've had a flurry of people call me this week saying about Arik. What, what, even, even the pundits want to know when Arik is in there. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So 20, 28th to 29th of May, and, and um, the TRED team is in full swing getting the organised... Uh, getting the event organised, everything's booked, and we're working through the various speakers. You've got to lock in some of these speakers a, a year out. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, you think about some of the high-profile speakers we've had, and uh, they got a lot on their schedule. Yeah. yeah, and if they're coming from America or Europe, that's, that's a lot of travel to organise. And it's and and I think. And we had Donald Trump a few years ago. Now look yeah. at him. <laughs> He's driving the world crazy. No comment. He's driving the world crazy. We're able to pick them before they become presidents. <laughs> yeah, We're right. worrying about bringing the presidents here. We pick them before they're the president. <laughs> so, so let's. Last year was an amazing Eric. I would say the best Eric, based on what people have, have, yeah. have said. And uh, the good thing is that Eric 2017 is also going to feature. A lot of people say that they want to hear from agents that make in excess of 100 sales a year because. They love that. We're going to cater for those. But we're also keen to get people's views on some of the big names internationally they'd like to hear. I mean, what are some of the names that come? Troy, when you think of people, I mean, and this is... You're talking about anyone. Anyone. Anyone currently alive who might be a possible speaker. Troy? Oh, who have I seen that I've really connected with? Um, James Altucher. You like him. I I rate him. I reckon the way that he speaks to people, I've seen him present... Uh, via YouTube, podcast, I've read his books, uh, read his articles. I just think he's one person that, yes, unrelated to real estate, but for realness, authenticity, transparency, my go Did you uh, listen to his most recent podcast with Robert Cialdini? Uh, yeah, Robert Cialdini, yeah, why Outstanding. not? Outstanding, you got to listen to that. Yeah. Listeners, yeah. James Altucher and Robert Cialdini, I think it's yeah. episode 184. 184 on Influence. Influence. Really well, Robert, Robert Caldini or Cialdini, I'm not quite sure how you say it. I thought it was Caldini. Um, and being Greek, him Italian, I'd say I'm probably more accurate in, 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 in who it is. But he yeah. is the godfather of sales because 20 years ago he wrote a book called Influence. 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 And awesome. um, the seven laws of influence, which something come to my mind is the law of scarcity, the law of social proof, reciprocity, reciprocity, liking, liking, yeah, contrast. Wow. Yeah. He's read the book. That's read, great. No, he just read the podcast. So, I mean, I, 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 oh, that's right. Isn't it amazing how a podcast can give you authority. everything? Authority, yep. Authority. And you, and you liking, can relate then. Reciprocity, contrast. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, social proof. Social proof. Well, I can. John, uh, they're one, two, all three, things. Four, five. There's one more. One more. Consistency. Co- commitment and consistency. Consistency. Where people are saying yes. I think there you go. Robert Caldini. Everything we've just got, Cialdini, everything you've just said there is stuff that real estate guys and girls every day are faced with. Social proof, people at an auction. If there's lots of people there, social proof. Testimonials. Testimonials. We've just gone through and talked about scarcity, about having multiple offers. People want what they can't have. Authority, being the authority in the marketplace, knowing what properties are. The trusted advisor. Being the trusted advisor. Let's let's try and get uh, Cialdini. Cialdini. He'd be be fantastic. (laughs) Now, but but where you're going before, because we had a quick chat before this, that uh, what we really want to hear, we haven't heard yet. Oh, yeah, Al Tucci. Mine's Obama. I would love to. Yeah, Obama would be. I just think, not because he's a president, because there are plenty of presidents, believe me, I wouldn't have wanted to invite but I just, what he has done and just the way he is and the way he thinks and being the first, you know, black president of America, 
I think he would have an incredible story to tell. Who would yours be? I think Gary Vaynerchuk, like Gary um, V. He's look. He's he's got an amazing stage stage presence, and he his audio matches his video. He does what he talks about on social media, so he'd be good. Well, we are just to let you know, we are trying to get him, so he's on the list. Altucha, we should try him on more, but I often hear him on his podcast saying he doesn't like speaking at conferences, he doesn't like travelling, he likes just being at home with his family, but that shouldn't stop us. We should still try. Obama, I don't think we're going to get. Not yet, anyway, maybe. But the, the idea was we wanted to hear from our listeners yeah. as to who would they love to hear. So think of anyone on the planet right now, and yeah. they could be head of business, or yeah. could be Oprah Winfrey, could be Dr. Phil. It could be who, who would you think would have an amazing story or be an amazing coach or teacher for Eric? And I'll guarantee you that we'll pick the best two or three and we'll chase them. Yeah. Yeah. Because we have had some of the best speakers in the world at Eric so far, but it's kind of nice to know who the audience would like to hear. And the other thing is, I think you sent out an email last week, but so in I sent case out, I didn't get it. I sent out an email uh, last week um, talking about nominating Australian speakers that have done... Real estate. Real estate that have done one and a half million in fees or a hundred sales or more. Um, and we've had an enormous response, but we'll repeat it again. So I'd love to get feedback. if. There'll either be a, a, a menu icon on tompanels.com.au which will say Arab speaker. Just click that and put the name we want international and also local. Local. So yeah. it could be, you know, someone in Perth that's gone under the radar that's selling 90 properties a year or 100 properties a year that's phenomenal but we don't know about because there's 40,000 agents in Australia and there's, you know, I think there's probably another ten or 15,000 in New Zealand. Yeah. So out of 50,000, even though we try, we can't keep our finger on every, every single one. So it'd be great to hear who in the market in Australia or New Zealand do you think is doing phenomenal business? And you're right, it doesn't have to be a $5 million earner. It could be someone that's in a small country town that's got 90% market share that sells 85 properties. That would be kind of an interesting story for us to know about. Yeah. So we'd love to hear about all shapes and sizes of successful real estate agents in this part of the world. Definitely love to hear about international iconic speakers or Australian, but I think we kind of would probably be aware of most of the great Australian speakers in general. And we had Rupert Murdoch there yeah. at Mastery a couple of years ago. So I think that'd be really good if they could email yeah, us so to you or click on be, the icon. There'll be a click on the icon. Um, it'll, it'll say um, Eric, a speaker, and um, we'll start seeing a pattern. If we see 50 people say the one person, yeah. we get a, an idea that this is the person. Vivian, yeah, you know, Vivian, who I. She's just mind-blowing. And yet before you rang me one day, I think you just interviewed her and you said, we've got to have this lady at Arak. She's phenomenal. I'd never heard of Vivian. Yeah. And yet she did tremendous. She'd gone from being a pharmacist yeah. to real estate. And within a couple of years, she was doing multi-million dollar transactions in, in an incredibly stylish and professional manner. I think yeah. it, I'm starting to think now, like Simon Sinek, um, Johnny Ive, uh, Tim Cook, like throwing some Apple people that have been and, and kind of lived in the Steve Job years and, and seen, and really shifted, put a ding in the universe or shifted the dial. Yeah. Uh, really made an impression. They're, they're the kind of iconic speakers yeah. you'd want to see, but you want to balance that out with well, some we, great already practitioners. Out, yeah. We've already checked out Oprah. Yep, uh, Oprah. They're yeah. saying over a million dollars. And I said, well, you know, like that's hard to kind of fit into the budget, right? Yeah. But... If the right, but don't let that hold anyone back because we want the world. We want Eric. It's our twentieth anniversary next year. We want it to be the best ever, Eric, and we want our audience to be 
um, meeting the best people on the planet that make a difference. So don't let budget hold the that. Amount, I, I, John, I cannot get over the amount of people that I sit down, that I do a million dollar agent interview that say to me, so what happened is I went to ARIC mm-hmm. and I came back. It's that tone of conversation. Yeah. It was like, I made a decision. I was no longer going to be average. Mm-hmm. And that's what ARIC does. I think ARIC ticks the dial and says, yeah. look, I saw with my own eyes, people change their lives. The other thing, Tom, I think is, is people get to see these incredible iconic speakers, Matt Steinway, Phil Harris, James Tosterman, and you either get the sense from listening to them in the room or you bump into them in the trade expo or in the coffee lounge and you say, hey, they're just like me. Yeah. They're just kind of normal human beings. They're not Superman or Superwoman. Mm-hmm. They're just like normal people. And that, that inspires people more because they actually realise that being the best and being exceptional is achievable. Yeah. This is an industry. It's achievable, but it's even more achievable when you're actually close up um, and, and personal with these sort of people. So... Yeah, very exciting. Can't wait. So we're going to have a meeting with the girls from Eric straight after yeah. our podcast today. So we'll keep everyone updated as we get them. <laughs> Troy, good to see you. I'm just trying good to get as much airplay on this <laughs> Nemo here. Yeah. Good to see you. I want to thank our sponsors, realestate.com.au, who uh, continue to be our supporters on Million Dollar Agent. And they are the number one portal in um, Australia. Twice the competition. Twice. Twice the traffic of the well, nearest competition. In, in some areas that they, they, they bring uh, ten times the traffic in certain parts of Australia. That is pretty phenomenal. You actually wouldn't find in many industries where the leader would be twice the number two. So, well done, REA. All right. Keep on keeping on. Thank you so much. See you next week. See you guys. Bye-bye.